Amen. Thank you, worship team, for that powerful time of worship. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus has done? Amen. Amen. So, so thankful for the amazing grace that is shown to us. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to just celebrate just how compassionate and loving our great God is. I told you earlier when we were in the middle of our transition that we are in Jonah chapter 3 today and the sermon compassion and that is going to play out for us when we see this. If you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, you're, you're more than welcome to go back and listen online but just to catch you up to speed. When we are in chapter 1 uh, of this series for compassion of God, we saw where God calls Jonah, who's one of his prophets, to go to Nineveh to call out against the sin that is running rampant in Nineveh. And he's calling him to go and to proclaim this. And Jonah gives a stiff arm, if you will, to God and says no. And, and completely flees the opposite direction of Nineveh, the Tarshish. And if you were here or you've read the story, you know that a lot of stuff happens on the boat. And Jonah eventually gets thrown overboard. Uh, and he thinks that he's made it clear and he's good to go. And as Walter delivered to us last week a powerful message. We saw where, when we can see in, in chapter 1 how Jonah is really not doing well and is being disobedient to God and there's consequences for that, we can look at Jonah in a sense as a hero because he realizes what he's done and he repents to God. And so we're going to see here today this continual... I know many of you in this room that know Christ, you're probably going to already have your answer as the most obvious, but think about a time in your life where something happened, where you messed up and you had a punishment coming for you. Yet when the punishment time came, you were white cleaner, you were scot-free. Some people may think of a speeding ticket, some people may think of other things. I think the majority of us would probably say Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, amen. We deserve God's wrath, yet we are saved because of the blood of Jesus shed at Calvary. So we have the hope of eternal life with God because of what Jesus has done. I remember as a kid, my brothers and I, we also had my sister. But my sister was, by the time she came around and was old enough to kind of horse around, I was, I was too cool to play around with everybody. I had my other plans and things I wanted to do. But my, my two younger brothers and I, we were more close in age, especially my brother Chris, and y'all know, I've said it before, you know, I've got a little bit of a, of, of a fan in me for wrestling. And so we would sit there in the living room, and the living room would become our wrestling ring. And we would go from couch to couch and, and wrestle with each other and have a fun time fighting and all of that. And it was a cabinet, and her china cabinet glass were broken. There were two separate occasions, and I was to blame for both, although I tried to shoot off the blame with somebody else. But when mom and dad found out, I thought, for sure, I'm done. I'm going to be excommunicated from the home. I'm going to be living on the streets. Like, I'm about to be in trouble. But thankfully, my mom and dad showed me a lot of grace that I did not deserve in the midst of that. Now, that's a silly example, I know, but think about that maybe in the context of in this message. So, with that said, let's stand together as we want to read God's Word and uh, look at chapter 3 and read it aloud together. It's 10 verses for us here this morning. Starting in chapter 3, and the word of the Lord says, Then I'm saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going 
journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 6, the word of the Lord, excuse me, the word then reached the king of Nineveh and perished. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of worship and song that we've had. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this time where we come and we hear your word proclaimed now through preaching. Lord, I pray for the one that is standing here before these people that is preaching, Lord. I am a sinner saved by your grace, Lord. I do not take this lightly, and I thank you for the opportunity to proclaim your word right now. Lord, I pray that every distraction would fade away in this place and that we would hear straight from heaven today. Lord, whatever we may have going on in our life, that is distracting us from you, maybe from serving you completely, from, from giving up things, from, from whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would make it clear to us today, Lord, that we would repent if we need to, we may step out of faith if we need to, whatever it is, Lord, that you have for us, tell it to us, Lord, and may we hear it. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified here in this place. Thank you for Jesus and what you have done for us. We ask all of these things in his powerful name. Amen. Thanks you. God's will is going to be done. God's will is going to be done. Look again at verse 22. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And God was determined to have this message proclaimed. You remember in chapter 1, God tells Jonah to go, and Jonah does not. Jonah says, peace out. No, I'm not doing that. And so God gets the stiff arm, and yet we go through the whole process of what we've already established. And Jonah, I told you to go do this. I'm going to give you this message. Go and proclaim it. In verse 3, that Jonah starts to, out of nowhere, have this divine revelation. Oh, it's time for me to go. I need to be obedient. So verse 3 says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Let's stop there for a moment. Jonah is now being obedient to God. Now, we can read a little bit ahead. You may see that Jonah's heart may still not be all the way in this because of his attitude still towards the Ninevites. But, Jonah at least to God, and you may say, and yet you may have to suffer the consequences of your sin, and God may still use you to do what he originally had planned in the first place, because God's will is going to be done. Amen? God's will will be done because it is his perfect will, it is his perfect plan, and he will have the last say in it because he is sovereign God Almighty. Period. So God's plan is for Nineveh to hear this word proclaimed to them because of the Jonah was, uh, Jonah, excuse me, Jonah, Nineveh was a pretty large area. 
okay? It would take probably about three days to make it through, okay? So it's an exceedingly large place. Now, if the place is large, what does that mean to people? He wants the word to be proclaimed to these people according to his plan. And so he sends Jonah, he sends go, and Jonah finally is obedient, and he goes and follows God. Look at verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city doing a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overthrown. See that word overthrown. That is the same verbiage that is being to describe what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. For those of you that don't know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, it was completely wiped out by God because of the sin of the people. If you recall in Genesis 19.25, it says, And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Wow, that sounds rough. God does not want sin to be played out against him. God wants us to pursue holy, righteous lives. He wants these people to not sin again. And that is why Jonah takes this message to them. Now notice it says there in verse 4 that Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He goes in a day's worth. And he proclaims, this up, you've got 40 days. Now that's a little bit of a preview of God's compassion just in that in those words, 40 days. It's not like Jonah has to go in there and say, Nineveh, God's wrath is coming in one minute. Be ready. God allows 40 days for this to be proclaimed. That's a compassion from God there. They get a little bit of a heads up. Now let's think about this in the context of our lives. Repentance is 
necessary. Repentance is necessary. Look at verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called out for a fast and put on sackcloth from the grace to them to the least of them. After hearing Noah declare this about what is coming to Nineveh, these people begin to believe God. Now we see there is these people of Nineveh, they are putting on the sackcloth because it's a sign of the mourning of their sin against God. And as they do that, they also have a fast. What happens when you have a fast? You don't partake in any kind of food to sustain you. And you have a complete, utter dependence on God. These people do that. Now we can see we see elsewhere in the Old Testament, if you were here last year, when we were going through the book of Nehemiah, if not, you can go back online and listen, but Nehemiah 9.1 says, now on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. They were doing the same thing that Nineveh does. And we also see one of the earliest accounts we can note of this in Genesis chapter 37 34. Then Jacob tore his garments and put on sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. The reality is that Joseph didn't really die. Joseph's actually doing pretty well for himself because of what God has allowed to happen at that point. That's another story for another day. It's a beautiful story of how God can take things that look so bad and that are designed to be bad, yet God restores them and makes it beautiful. I encourage you to go back and read through that account in Genesis 37. But Jacob hears the news that his son has apparently died. And so he puts on the sackcloth to mourn the loss of his son. These people are starting to repent of their sin. Now we see in verse 6, look at 6 through 8 with me. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published to Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and the beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God, let his hands. Scholars will say that as you read through this, if you were to read verses 5 through 8, you'd see that. And in chronological order of what you're reading, it looks as if the people first start to repent after hearing Jonah, then the king. Now, scholars will say that, and say it says that chronologically, but some believe, and whichever way you look at it, it doesn't really matter because they all start to repent. That's the most important thing. But it, it, it can appear as if the word of the Lord comes to the king, which it does. The king is not just hearing a bunch of people say, he's hearing the take away to, to take from that. When we are obedient to God, God can use us for some powerful things. Individually and corporately as a body of believers. We are all in line and saying, Lord, I am giving you it all. I surrender to you. I am in for this. Whatever you want, whatever you say, I don't care if I look like a fool. I don't care if people think I'm nuts. I don't care what I have to say. I'm going to trust that you're telling me to do this. I'm going to proclaim the good news of Jesus. I'm going to go to places where I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to do whatever I need to do because you said to do it and I'm going to do it. When we all do that, when we all say yes, Lord, and not hold on, Lord, what do you think? I don't feel good about this. No, when we say yes, Lord. 
God will use us to do is death that is happening around us. There is pain that is happening around us. There is sin that is running rampant around us. We must be mature. Stand on it boldly as the prophet Jonah does and proclaim the truth of God's word. And who cares what anybody says to us? We must be bold. We must proclaim it. I'm tired. I'm tired, guys, of just sitting around and saying, well, maybe it'll happen. I'm ready for it to happen. God has called us to be bold. God has called us to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's do it. Let's proclaim the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your limitations. Says. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. The king is proclaiming this proclamation and he says, you know what, guys? He may relent from what we've been told is coming. He may relent. There's that glimmer of hope. This pagan king sees the glimmer of hope. And he says, let's do this and see what happens. God is compassionate. God is compassionate. Look at Tim. Verse 10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. God relented from the wrath that was coming upon the Ninevites. Because the Ninevites repented of their sin. We see the grace and the mercy of God on display here in this moment. As our compassionate God so beautifully does. If you recall with me in 2 Peter chapter 39, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but impatient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is the God of serve. He does not desire for people to perish. He desires. The reality is that there are people that we know and that we love. will not repent and maybe separated from God for eternity because of their sin. But we must be bold to proclaim the good news of Jesus. We must be bold to go into uncomfortable situations where we feel like I may not know what to say next. But we must be bold to go and take it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have... If you recall, that is from Ephesians that we studied over the summer. This is the God we serve. We were dead. We were walking in our trespasses and sins. We were destined for hell, separated from God. But God! rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had for us even even when we were dead 
It is alive together with Christ. You just say, you know what? I can still do this. God still forgave me. No, that's, that is complete disobedience to God and it calls for repentance. You may be someone here today, you may think I'm a crazy dude because I get hyped up and I start yelling, but I want you to understand something. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are the person that was described before the one God. And the reality is, there's a day coming where you will die of this life. And Scripture makes it clear that you will not be with God for eternity, and that breaks my heart. Because I have a living hope. My living hope is that Jesus Christ, although my sin separated me from God, Jesus Christ came to this earth, was born of a virgin, conceived, and started a ministry where he took 12 men beside him, although one would betray him, that would lead to his death. This man would live a sinless life. He was God in the flesh. Yet Jesus, knowing that there had to be a restoration plan, willingly, although he was lied about betraying, willingly, did not speak a word. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was carrying a cross to all the people that, that did this to him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the God we serve. That's the God who created everything. That's the God who sits in heaven on the throne that we worship. That's the God that showed compassion on the Ninevites. That's the God who relented of his wrath and turned his face because all of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. As that wrath was being poured out, that wrath was reserved for Brian to bear. That wrath was deserved, reserved for you. And Jesus took on that wrath until the moment he breathed his last breath. No bone broken to fulfill the prophecy. Taken off that cross and put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb a far And he's ascended at the right hand of the Father, and he sits there on high until the day the Father says, go back. And he's coming back. It may be in 40 days. It may be in 40 minutes. It might be in 40 seconds. No man knows. But the reality is that if you do not know Jesus, you still have time while there's breath in your lungs to repent of your sin. And confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord, they're going to sing this song, Change My Heart, O God. I think it's very beautifully just orchestrated to be here at this moment. Because as the Ninevites do in this sermon, in this passage, the Ninevites cry out to God in repentance. A cry, a heart change for them. And God shows his compassion to them. Thank God that he does that. 
God does the same for us. There's something that you're still clinging to that you need to repent of. Now's the time to do so. Give it up, confess it to God, and live your life pursuing holiness for Him. If you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, please don't walk out of this building without letting me or somebody that knows this Jesus tell you more about Him. Pastor Troy says it a lot, don't leave this world without Christ. It's such a beautifully said statement because it's counsel of your obedience in you. This example of the fact that repentance is necessary. Lord, in the fact that you are a compassionate God. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, sing this song, Lord, I pray that as you are working in this place so that people would not feel anxious or worrisome, but Lord, if you're moving, that they would get up and we would talk and that we would see what you're doing, Lord. Be glorified in this place, in Christ's name. Amen.